Hi, uh, my name is Jason Powers. I'm the founder of Plan Up App, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. Uh, I'm going around the world, and I've got the founder of uh, his company is Mobile Benefits, but their flagship product is QuickWick. So if you can go to QuickWick, Q-U-I-C-K-W-I-C.com, and uh, to go and check out the website. Of course, full notes will be on the appguide.co episode 255 if you want to go and uh, check out the links to anything we mentioned in the show. Let me introduce uh, Max there. Max is, uh, as I say, the founder, and he's going to talk about uh, some of the things he's got going on and to help us out in our entrepreneurial uh, pursuits. So, Max, it's a warm welcome to you on the App Guide podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's nice to be here. I, I'm just wondering, uh, I mean, you know, this show is listened by uh, anyone who's wanting to possibly get into app entrepreneurship. Uh, what's it been like for you? Perhaps you can give us a, a little taste of, of your story. Sure. Well, uh, we've been spent a full year working on QuickWick and Mobile Benefits, Inc., but this is actually my second year as a full-time entrepreneur. My first company, we worked on 2014, uh, sorry, 2013 now, was called Mobility. And uh, it was a resounding failure, so to speak. Uh, and that was a fascinating experience to go through the company life cycle from incorporation to product development to then shuttering its doors. Uh, and fascinatingly enough, uh, we rebounded much stronger from that experience because the second company we got up and running in perhaps one third of the time and we brought our product to market in 20% of the time and we got our first customers within seven months of being open. Yeah, I actually want to talk a little bit about failure because failure is very close to my heart. I mean, my story is that I did the same thing. I set up a company and, and failed. And, and when I did, it, it, it was almost like a relief because it wasn't as actually traumatizing as I could imagined all the risk to be. You know, for anyone who hasn't gone through the failure of a company, how stressful and traumatic is the whole experience? It's, it's certainly very stressful. Uh, the interesting thing about failing a startup is that it, you never felt like you had your feet on shore ground to begin with. You know, it's not like you wake up one day and your brick house is burned down, you know, and the people you know and love are missing. You've always been dealing with this. It's like a growing a company is like nursing for a fragile plant. And one day you find that this, this very vulnerable thing that you've been fretting about every day didn't quite make it. So you're always a little bit prepared that it may not work, but it, it's certainly a change when you, you personally have invested so much time and you spend a year of your life looking your friends and family in the eyes and saying, you know, we're building this company and this is how I'm going to feed myself. Uh, and then you suddenly need to change your story 180 degrees. Uh, it's, it's very challenging. But I think uh, the, the interesting thing about failure, I'm going to already steer us away from that a little bit. I think a lot of entrepreneurs like to dramatize their failures and it's, a, it's very easy to talk about where we went wrong and, and try to get credit, so to speak, or impress people how resilient we are. But the fascinating thing about failure for me is failure is really baked into many parts of this process. I mean, you can fail globally like we did with our last company, but in reality, when we're developing our product and talking to our cost, customers, I'd say we, we micro fail all the time. 
Uh, and the way we iterate and evolve is we try to put rubber to the road and we present ideas that we have about our clients, uh, their problems, our pricing. But we put them out in front of our customers and then they reject them or not. And so failure in some small part is very liberating uh, and it's how we get better. And so we try to fail as quickly as possible uh, and frequently as possible all the time. Yeah, I can imagine it's almost like a clean slate. Uh, Are there any big lessons that you can share with us uh, so that anyone who is running their first year startup, for example, can can take you know and learn from from your lessons uh, with uh, mobility yeah certainly i mean there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of voices in the startup world that i think are very quantitative and they'll tell you you know particularly from the lean startup camp they'll tell you that if you quantify your time you realize it can be insanely wasteful to spend time on anything that may fail if you haven't validated your assumptions right they say you know a lot of people think they understand the pro problems of their customers, but they don't. And you can spend a lot of time building features that aren't wanted. And the best way to test against that is to show them in some fake it till you make it or some mock-up, present it uh, before your customer and then see if it passes passes or fails at the customer test. Um, It's certainly important to maximize your time toward productive ends. But I think, to me, more importantly, with our small team, it's more valuable that we're working on things that we really believe are going to bring value to the customer. And so even less, you know, we spent time on failures that have helped us learn insights about our, our product space and our customers. And uh, for me, the really important thing about failing is just the narrowing and the lasering in on what could be successful for your customers. Yeah, maybe we should talk a little bit about QuickWick, actually, uh, Max, because uh, it'd be nice to know, you know, what you're actually doing now. Yeah, certainly. Uh, for your international audience, I think I need to pause for a moment and just introduce WIC. So we're in an interesting space. We're in actually uh, what's sort of considered this double bottom line, uh, both profitability and social good services. And we're working with civic technology. So um, WIC is actually a U.S. government program. It's a fet- part of federal welfare program. So in America, for those uh, low-income earners, they're applicable to government benefits where you can earn uh, nutrition, nutritional supplementary foods or uh, housing relief supplements uh, and different other financial benefits. And WIC is a very specific program in the U.S., which actually stands for the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children. So in America, the the food welfare space is about a hundred billion dollar space, and ten percent of that is WIC, which is this program focused on pregnant women, uh, breastfeeding women, and their infant children. And it's designed to furnish nutrition during these critical periods of early growth. Uh, and so, anyways, WIC in America is in the flux of a big transition because it's all moving to digital systems. Uh, it was traditionally administered via paper coupons, which a a mother would bring to the store to redeem foods at the cash register. And now they're getting basically debit cards or magnetic swipe cards. So uh, on the backs of this transition from a legacy paper system to a contemporary digital ones, we are building mobile tools and clients, which we're selling to the U.S. government. Uh, How hard is it to sell to the U.S. government? 
Uh, it's very challenging. So uh, going into this, going into this company, we realized that we had a tremendous opportunity to serve. What we consider to be a very underserved population in the in this low income family space, uh, and we knew that there was a lot of need, and we found a very elegant solution to help present their benefits in real time on the smartphone uh, at a time when, mind you, smartphone adoption in low income segments in America has skyrocketed and is generally pervasive. But we, uh, we understood from the very outset that despite the fit, the product market fit of our solution, we had a very big challenge and a very big risk in that we were selling to governments. Um, this process has been slow. We've discovered that oftentimes the sales cycle and their decision-making cycle is not done in measured in days or weeks, but in months. Uh, they generally have a three-month, uh, sorry, a three-year plan, and we want to get in the plan for next year. It involves us to be somewhat aggressive. Uh, and then, incidentally, there's been an issue in America with the the um, certification of budgets in Congress, where oftentimes these state-level programs are operating under the assumption that their budget will get passed for the year, but not knowing what their actual budget will be. So these have all been challenges. But I need to say our, our last company, Mobility, we were, we were trying to sell partnerships and pitch to banks, and uh, it just feels like another page out of the same book. They're both, both very conservative, uh, mindful organizations. Yeah, I can imagine that anyone listening who's trying to sell an app on the app store to the consumer and who's struggling to you know, convince the consumer that it's worth paying 99 cents a dollar for an app and then suddenly to be presented with uh, an opportunity to sell to government who, who have big, deep pockets for these types of uh, opportunities. But how, how do you actually just start that process of, uh, I'm guessing you have to tender to certain uh, procur- procurement plans or... Is there, is there a tendering process? Uh, yeah, there is. But interestingly enough, that comes into the process about halfway through. I mean, you're not going to, it's not worth your time to begin to get certified as a state approved vendor until you've already formed the, the basis for doing business. So, you know, not to be, I think oftentimes in this entrepreneur space, I'm very encouraging of people. Anything could work, but just to be blunt for a moment. You know, if you don't have a problem, you don't have customers. So from the outset, we found this problem that was very real in WIC, which is that mothers are having a hard time understanding their benefits and they're getting rejected at the cash registers of the grocery stores when they go to use them. And we found this very elegant solution by presenting, uh, like I said, the foods and benefits in real time on the phone. Uh, And so when we started showing this to state agencies, uh, which happened because we attended conferences at the state level, we also did some cold call emails and some cold calls with the phone. When we started to get an audience, we found that people were really excited. And then that generated a bit of buzz in that community. And, you know, it sounds like government welfare could be this large bureaucratic thing. But when we actually get down to it, there's a, about 90 different decision makers. We have a, a very small, relatively small target list. I mean, we're, we're B2B in a very niche space. So at this point, we've, we've engaged probably about 40% of the entire market uh, and we'll be reaching out to the other 60% in this coming year. And also I was thinking, because uh, I uh, left my uh, city job um, many years ago because it felt that I wasn't s- sort of fulfilling a purpose. And and a lot of the listeners, apps to tribe now, you know, will be thinking, 
that uh, it'll be interesting to to start a company but how important is it to have a purpose because i can imagine selling and and resolving and disrupting this whole market of women infants and children see it seems like a worthy cause and 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 you know putting money to one side it's almost like uh, giving you a purpose yeah certainly uh and it's very fulfilling and it's very motivating for a team waking up every morning and spending the long hours it takes to get something like this off the ground um you know and i i just need to say in the in the abstract sense, you know you're doing good when you're sitting behind your computer or in your office, and that's encouraging. But for us, the most amazing thing has been any time we've met participants in this program. And that's actually how QuickWick was founded because I, I met a mother who is enrolled in these government benefits, and she introduced me to the program. I was just amazed by how progressive the model was. For people who don't know, in WIC, you actually meet uh, four times a year with a state-sponsored nutritionist who helps prescribe you supplemental foods for you and your child based on your nutritional need. And then uh, when you go to the store, you're only allowed to buy certain items. So uh, it's it's not about just purchasing any food or it's ever convenience about buying the foods you need. And I was just amazed by this uh, mother's uh, tenacity and explaining it, but she started explaining all the challenges she had with using the benefits and how embarrassing it is if you get them wrong because you essentially get rejected at the checkout counter in a very public and dismissive way. Uh, and through meeting her and meeting other mothers has really motivated us to try to build this solution for these people. Yeah, I'm thinking back on some of the other uh, guests that I've had on the show, and one of the, the proudest moments, uh, I think the, the guy from Alderella was uh, when he saw someone using his app and uh, it was very fulfilling. How, how did you actually end up m- meeting these participants? Did you actively seek them out and uh, and get in front of them or, or was it like a chance meeting? Sure. Uh, the first, At the beginning, it was serendipity. Uh, it was chance. Like I said, we were working on another company. The, the curve for this one actually started coming up as the other one was closing down. And we were just amazed uh, at all the overlaps between our previous endeavor, which was to build an app where you could pay your bills on your phone, to treating this underserved space, which is used. There's a segment of America that's using the mobile phone basically as their primary device. So uh, in lower income communities where laptops were never pervasive, where broadband internet was never highly adopted, the smartphone has become uh, the bank, has become the mobile bank. It's become the touch point with government and commercial services and there's this very wide band of america almost 65 million people that are very underserved in this app market and so through our last company we became aware increasingly aware of this and then it was just one of those lightning moments when you met this person and we learned about the opportunity we could we could affect an outcome here and it was very exciting yeah, Max, I'm thinking there's two things we need to squeeze in before we say goodbye to you. And one is that we, on this show, love to come up with uh, potentially new ideas. And uh, uh, entrepreneurs tend to have like more than the one idea that they're working on. I wondered if you had an idea to share with us that potentially could be a disruptive app. If you have, great. If not, then there's another way we could flesh it out from you. So do you happen to have an app idea? Yeah, well, I'm I'd, I'm going to start high to low on, on the very broad scale. I'd, I'd very encourage entrepreneurs to try to think about the B2B space uh, using technology tools to solve the needs of businesses. Uh, a lot of times, entrepreneurs, 
think are thinking about how they can relate to products and services in their personal lives. You know, smartphones been a very personal tool, uh, but in reality, out there, there's a very, very large space of of other individuals and people who are transacting business on behalf of their companies or other business needs. And there's a lot of niche tools out there we can design for them. So you know, you dive in head first, and we started with uh, fintech with finance for bill pay and it brought us into this government benefits space uh, if you guys want to take a look around here there's a lot of opportunity for disruption they're a little behind the ball because there's not a lot of mobile apps or services uh, and it's created a service gap because a lot of today's enrollees and government programs expect a, at least to be able to contact their program through their phone so uh, there's child health care where you can get benefits. There's, like I said, temporary housing relief. There's a lot of ways the government distur- distributes money, and quite frankly, it's still stuck in the 70s. It's in, the ver- it's in a very manual, process-intensive way, and a smartphone could do a lot of good things to make it more efficient and ultimately more effective so that Americans and citizens of whatever country you belong to uh, can use these benefits to turn lives around and pull themselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, get the return on investment for a country that these programs are designed to foster. I'm almost thinking, I'm tempted if anyone listening to this uh, from the Appster tribe could could possibly go to a government department and just meet some people perhaps and do some research on this because I can imagine as soon as you start getting uh, involved and in, in researching all this that you will uncover all those uh, transactions that happen to be on pen and paper or Excel spreadsheets and all this archaic you know, a database of stuff. And I can imagine it'd be quite easy to think of, you know, disruptive things with the smartphone. Yeah, certainly. And that was step two for us is uh, we, there's WIC clinics at the local level scattered all around the country. And we just went to WIC clinics and we started talking to people. And you'll find if you're asking the right questions, you know, maybe you get locked out the door a few times, but if you're asking the right questions, people love talking about their jobs and people love complaining and that's good for us entrepreneurs because we want to solve problems. So you'll engage people and you'll start learning way more than you're ready about all these processes. And maybe you'll find uh, the base for a company. Building a product is one exciting thing. Uh, finding a scalable business opportunity you can structure a company around uh, takes a little more time, but they're out there. Well, that's great advice. And now this is the App Guy podcast. So it does mean that we love talking about apps. And I'm wondering if you have one or two apps on your phone uh, other than QuickWick, of course, uh, if you could recommend, you know, in either your business or personal life. Sure, I I just have to say, I mean, this isn't this isn't a new app by any means, but uh, I just went on a, a vacation weekend with a bunch of friends last weekend, and we've just been using Splitwise so much uh, over the last week. I don't know if people are familiar with it. Basically, when you go on a trip with a group of people or people. Uh, instead of handing cash back and forth in the middle of the trip saying, hey, I'll spot you this lunch, or hey, could you spot me that drink? Uh, everybody just records all the money they've spent and who they've spent it with, and then it just does a credit and debit system at the end of the week, and you hit compute, and it tells you who owes who what money. And then there's a settle-up button that's linked to Venmo and PayPal, and you just tap it. With about four taps, uh, we had all settled the bill with each other a process that used to take weeks and possibly end friendships. <laughs> it was very, <laughs> it was very elegant. And I, for me in this, you know, financial technology space and app space, I think it's very exciting to see 
you know, money in some ways, just numbers and to see it getting a, a new level of sophistication about how we handle these numbers, uh, particularly amongst friends, having a weekend of vacation. I thought it was terrific. That's, that's just so unfortunate, Max, because all those arguments after you go on holiday and, you know, you pull up your friends and say, hey, you still owe me for that. <laughs> that's all yeah, gone that's because true. it's there in the app. Well, or, yeah, or it lets you enforce that. And also, I'm going to keep plugging this app because I really enjoy it. I have roommates. Uh, we're all in a bunch of entrepreneurs and other technologists in the same house. And uh, just monthly rent and all this stuff. It's amazing when you put everything on splitwise, a lot of it really does net out to about zero. We end up covering each other's backs all the time. But instead of having 12 cash transactions, we're putting money back and forth. We just keep a running tab. And at the end of the month, we hit compute. It turns out I only owe my roommate $10. Uh, it's pretty easy. I really recommend it. It's also a nice interface. I'm impressed with what they've done. Max, I, I'm thrilled because you wouldn't believe that the amount of times that I've always said with my group of friends that we have a mini economy and it always nets out to zero. And no one would believe me. Now I'm, I'm definitely going to download that app. So I'd just uh, to, to those listening, if you go to the appguy.co and search out uh, Max there at two. 255 is the episode number there'll be links to uh, stepwise and also um, other links to you max how, how best can we connect a, and reach out to you sorry it's the name is splitwise splitwise for the app yeah splitwise got that and that'll be on the appguy.co and that will be a link to to that app so people can download it max how best can we reach out and connect with you uh i encourage everyone to check out our website at www.quickwick.com there we have links to our company Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest pages, uh, as well as a contact info so you can send us emails. If you want to reach out to me personally, I encourage anyone to reach out on LinkedIn. You can find me at Maxwell Thayer, and I'd be happy to share messages or part any advice or uh, collaboration anybody's interested in soliciting. Well, Max, thank you very much for coming on this show, and, and uh, thanks for you know just all the things that I've learned from you, uh, the fact that we talked to her about failure and the, and then how easy it is to bounce back and, and, and how important it is. And also just like having a purpose and the women, infants, children program that you're involved with, but anything with regards to government could be a good idea. So thank you very much for sharing all that and coming on the show. You're welcome, Paul. <laughs>